Amen. Good to be together and good to sing together. Thankful to God uh, for those who protect us, as Nick, Pastor Nick just prayed, just keeping in mind the date today, and even thinking about what's going on in our own community with the, the Firefighters uh, Association being here. Just want to remember uh, that we are protected ultimately by God, but God uses others to protect us, and we are thankful, whether it be healthcare workers, people uh, serving in the fire department in various branches of law enforcement or in the military, and their family members who make multiple sacrifices and, and for protection that we often take for granted. And God is the giver of that good gift. We are thankful for it. We're thankful that we have just freedom. Uh, like, I really don't feel threatened to stand in front of a group of like 150 people and open up the very Word of God and, and say what it says, even if, uh, even if uh, what it says doesn't always bring immediate uh, comfort. This, this is a hard word uh, that we're going to look at today, and we're going to need God's help to have hot, softened hearts that we might really hear it. Uh, during the worship service, we spend about 35 minutes just looking at one text of Scripture. We've been going through the book of Hebrews. Uh, this is our sixth week in the book of Hebrews, working our way from the beginning to the end. And the message is really quite simple and straightforward. Stick with Jesus because Jesus is better than anything. But as we've walked through it and as we walk through in the weeks ahead, there are going to be some parts of this book that are challenging. We've already been challenged just in, 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 at the heart level. We're going to be challenged, just so you know, even more in the weeks coming uh, in, in our minds. There are some things in the book of Hebrews that are hard to understand. It's, there, there's reasons that, that maybe you've not been in a church, or maybe our church for some time hasn't spent a lot of time in the book of Hebrews because there are some things that are really hard in it to understand. But today, we're going to continue. Pastor Nick really kind of introduced us to this new section last week where the big idea is basically that Jesus is better than any earthly priest. He is our great high priest. And there's this idea introduced to us that he comes in the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron. And I'm going to get to explain what that means a little bit more here in a couple weeks. And so is the author of Hebrews. But before he gets to this part that's harder to understand, he wants to make sure the people really hear what he has to say. And many of you either have little children living in your home, or you have at one point had little children living in your home, or many of you are little children. And you know that sometimes your parents need to talk to you and they need to make sure you're really listening. How many of you have sometimes heard your parents say something, but you don't really hear what they have to say? Right? And so sometimes as parents, what we do is we get down kind of at eye level and we might say, I want, you to, I want you to put down what you're doing right now and I want you to hear what I have to say because it's really important and, and you don't always listen well. And sometimes parents need to correct their kids. And what we're going to see in the passage that we're looking at today is the author of Hebrews essentially saying, listen to me, listen to me, I'm disappointed in you. You're not growing up the way you should be. I'm still seeing all these signs of immaturity, and you need to grow up. And then there's going to be a warning that comes along with it. 
And so today's passage is heavy. Now, he will end, the tail end of this, the tone changes quickly to a note of encouragement, but the majority of the passage today is admonishment followed by warning. And I always want not just the content of the passage of Scripture to be the content of my message, I want the tone of the passage of Scripture to match the tone of my message. And so... Today, you might feel like you're being talked at like a little child who's being told to grow up. I don't do that because I think like, oh, I've got things figured out and you don't. I do that because that's what the author of Hebrews is doing. And so let's, uh, let's stand if you're able to. I'm going to pray because we desperately need God's help. And, uh, and then we'll look at this passage together. Father, I know I need to grow up, and all of us do. Thank you that you love all of us more than any of us can. I pray that you would help me to speak the truth in love today, that you would help me to be direct, and that you would help me to be gentle. And most of all, I pray for all of us that our hearts would be soft, that your Holy Spirit might accomplish what needs to be accomplished by your word. Just as we saw a couple of chapters ago, we know that your word is living and active. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's going to do some piercing today. But I pray that it would be a piercing that leads to a healing, that, that leads to greater growth. For the sake of your name and your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we're looking at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to read it in its entirety because I want us to hear how the tone shifts as we go through it. Then we're going to walk through bit by bit as I explain it more. God's Word says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness 
to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. You can be seated. As usual, inside your bulletin is a spot for sermon notes, if that's helpful for you to take notes and follow along in that way. It's also now a life group guide, as some of our life groups will start to meet this week. And so uh, that's what the rest of that is, so hold on to that if you're in a life group or plan to be. Well, again, the argument that started last week that Pastor Nick walked us through is that Jesus is the better high priest. He's not in Aaron's order, but Melchizedek's order. It's complicated. We'll get to that soon. And that's kind of what the author is saying here. It's complicated, and I'll get to it soon, but I want to make sure you're listening because I'm not sure you're ready to handle it. And so what we see, if you heard the tone even as I read through it, in verses 11 to 14, uh, we see three signs of immaturity. Three signs that the church needs to grow up. And here's what we see. The first is that they are unable to listen and learn well. It says in verse 11, he says, About this we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, that's a hard thing to translate in Greek so that you might have a translation that says something even quite different than that. He's telling them, you're you're dull of hearing. It might say in your translation that you are slow to learn. Or it might say in your translation that you're too lazy to understand. That's a sign of immaturity. We see that in kids, don't we? Kids, at a young age, have a hard time listening well. It's a sign of immaturity. And kids need to be taught to learn and to listen. Spiritually speaking, the church audience that he's writing to right here, they're not all kids, but he's saying to them as he gets started, you're kind of acting like it. It's time to grow up. You're not listening very well. You've become dull of hearing. You have a heart. You're too lazy to try hard. Like you try hard in all sorts of other areas of life, but you come to the church and you just kind of expect everything to be fed to you. You come and open the Bible. You just look for an inspirational thought. You're not really working all that hard. You've become dull of hearing. I'm not sure you're ready to hear what I'm about to say. So one sign of immaturity is you don't listen or have a hard time learning. Number two Verses 12 and 13, unable to teach others. You caught that maybe as we read through it. Verse 12 just starts this way, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So he starts using this analogy now. He's calling them immature, and so he uses an analogy that a young child can only drink milk, not ready yet for solid food. And he's telling these people, you've been in the church long enough. You've been following Jesus long enough. You, by now, ought to be teachers, but you're still sucking out of the bottle. Right? You still need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. There's not enough people in the church, even though they've been in the church for some time, there's not enough people able and ready to use the Word of God and teach it to others, unskilled in the Word of righteousness, like children who just need to continually be fed without ever feeding. And so 
you can understand how the church audience at this point is feeling a little bit uncomfortable maybe about the way they're being talked to. Maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable. I haven't even gotten to the application yet. Just wait. So another sign of immaturity is that you're unable to teach others. And a third sign of immaturity that we see in these opening verses is this. Verse 14, the immature lack discernment. One sign of growing in maturity is that you've learned to practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse 14 says it this way, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Quite naturally, little kids need to be taught a lot of things that we as adults think about as common sense, right? Your ball went into the road and there's a car coming. You can't go run and get your ball. The cookie sheet just came out of the oven. You can't touch the cookie sheet because it's hot, right? You can't stick beef sticks up your nose, like whatever it might be. Right? We have, we have things that we need. To, like It's common sense to us, but we've got to teach them to kids. Because kids lack discernment and need to be taught. And he's talking to the church there this way. The church audience needs more practice and discernment so that they can do a better job of distinguishing good from evil. So he calls them out in their immaturity first, and then in verses 1 to 3, he calls them to maturity. In chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, there's a call to maturity. He's basically telling them, it's time to grow up. And I admit, when I first read these verses, I thought, is he saying like they need to just kind of move on from the gospel? Like they just kind of leave the gospel behind? And as I studied and the Holy Spirit helped me with it, That's not what he's saying here. He's saying this is the foundation and it needs to be built upon. The gospel is the foundation and it needs to be built upon. Of course, they need to know some things about repentance, it says in verse 1, from dead works and of faith toward God. You need to know this is how people are saved, by repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus. We need to know those things. That's foundational. Then he speaks of this washing and laying on of hands, probably referring to basic things like baptism. That's what believers who who repent and trust in Jesus, they're then baptized. And then this laying on of hands is probably referring to some initiation into church membership of some sort. And then things, of course, like resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. People need to know, okay, so, so I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent, I trust in Jesus. I'm baptized, I become a part of the church, and I know where I'm headed for all of eternity. Right, those are the basics. And he's saying you should know that. That's the foundation, but it's time to build on the foundation. Let's not just keep like hanging out there that we never build on that foundation. You know how a house works, like a foundation is super important. If you don't have that there, the whole house crumbles, but you don't just have a foundation. You build a house up on the foundation. And that's what he's getting at here In verses 1 to 3, as you mature, you're building on that foundation. And the problem for some of them, just like those that are still drinking milk, is they've got a foundation, but they've never been building. All right. So, those opening verses, the message is, hey, it's it's time to grow up. And so, again, I want to match the content of this message with the content of my message to this church in this time. It's time for us to grow up. And so he's been using this analogy of 
milk and solid food. And, and so one form of entertainment for the Nelson family is going back and looking at old home videos, Nelson family home videos. And we had one that I'm not going to show because it was maybe kind of embarrassing, but we've got some other ones that the kids gave me permission to show. And I whittled down all sorts of minutes of cuteness down to 45 seconds that I think will help us understand this a little better. So let's go ahead and take a look at this 45 seconds of, this is Isaiah feeding baby Mariah. All right. She's not done until she's done with the bottle, Isaiah. Isaiah, what are you doing? Are you clean or messy? Clean. You're clean? Or messy. Messy. Show us how you eat. Show us how you eat that yummy spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Yummy. Oh. What are you eating? Eating nothing. Are you eating noodles? I love it. So it is. It is necessary for babies to drink milk, and it's kind of cute, right? That's right. For a baby to drink milk, that's right, and it's kind of cute. And it's necessary as we get older, if we want to grow up, we have to somehow learn to eat solid food. And when we start learning to eat solid food, it's a little bit messy. The passage uses milk and solid food here to get the point across that it's time for people in the church to grow up. It's time to stop being fed milk and to start eating solid food. And eating well enough that you're able then to feed others. So as we apply it to our church, we'll just be honest. We have a lot of people in our church who have been Christians for a long time. And you have been fed, and you have been fed well. You've even learned to feed yourself some. But I wonder to how many of you we could say the same thing that is said here in verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers. And I know you might have a quick excuse, like, well, I can't, like, I can't teach Awana anymore, like I can't do little kids. That, that's fine. Maybe you can't imagine yourself being a Sunday school teacher or a youth group leader, like in a classroom being a teacher. We need more people qualified to do those things. But there's many other ways to teach as well. We need more people in the church who may never teach in a classroom, but capable of opening the Bible and mentoring one other person. Capable of opening the Bible and helping a friend who's struggling. Capable of opening the Bible and teaching it to your own kids or grandkids. Some of you have been fed for a really long time and haven't yet learned to feed others. We need to grow in that. We need more qualified men who aspire to the office of elder. I, I would long for more people to just be coming to me and saying, listen, I've been, I've been following Jesus for this long. I, I, need, I need to serve. Like, I want, I want to grow. Here's an area of weakness. I want to grow. I want to you know, maybe it's a man who just says, I want to be an elder. I want to be an elder in the church. But how do I grow and become, get to a point where I'm qualified to take on that responsibility? We need to grow up to maturity. 
And we do it by eating solid food. Now, now listen, I want to make a quick disclaimer. Some of you still need milk. Right? Then that's fine. Because you're you're a new relatively new believer. And we don't, we don't look down on babies because they're only drinking milk, right? It's right for a baby to only drink milk. Some of you, like, I've never really been taught the Scriptures before. Great, then drink milk. And, and, and you know what your job is to do if you're like a baby? What do babies do when they're hungry? Cry out and let people know they're hungry. So do it. Cry out and let people know. Like, I need to be fed. But some of you have been Christians for many years and it's time to grow up past immaturity. You need to stop sucking on a bottle of milk when a dinner of Iowa chops and a baked potato and pie is available to you. It might take some work. But how do we do this? How do we grow up to maturity? How do we fight against our... I think our tendency for all of us is to stay immature. It's easier to be a kid than to be an adult. Right? Right? How do we grow up to maturity when we fight against our tendency to stay immature? I hope I don't offend you if you like have this shirt. But have you seen people wear the shirts that say, like, I can't adult today? And they're adults? Well, sorry, you're going to have to, right? You're an adult. It's time to grow up. Uh, all right. We grow up to maturity when we fight against our tendency to stay immature. We said we saw three signs of immaturity in verses 11 to 14. So how do we fight against that tendency to stay immature? I think it just goes right along with those three things. One, we need to learn to listen better. To stop being lazy. Ask God, help me focus. Like, I, I want to I sleep well on Saturday night. I want to get to bed at a decent time because I want to be a person who, like when we start talking about the order of Melchizedek, I want to be engaged. So God, help me to focus. I want to listen to sermons. I want to get in a life group, youth group, Bible study on my own. I need to be in the Word. God, help me to listen and learn better. Number two, to look for opportunities to teach others. What's your next step toward growing up by preparing to teach others? It's really what our Sunday school class is focused on at 9 o'clock if you'd like to join us. Living a life, and then thirdly this, living a life molded by the Bible. Applied to daily life, practicing discernment. It takes, as it said in verse 14, it takes constant practice. And this is really what our life groups are aimed at doing. Not not doing a review of the sermon, but looking at the Word of God and seeking to help one another apply it. So our lives get shaped and transformed by the very Word of God. What's your next step towards growing up as a person molded by the Bible? I know that being told to grow up is not comfortable and it can be offensive. But why is the author of Hebrews and now your pastor willing to potentially offend you by telling you to grow up? Well, I think it's because of its connection to the following very serious warning. So let's look at that. Verses 4 to 8, point 2. Lest you fall away. These verses tell us of a real danger for a certain kind of people. Let's look at just verses 4 to the beginning of 6 here. For it is impossible. So it's going to talk about something that's impossible, but then there's this long list of certain people for whom something's impossible before it even tells us what the impossible thing is. 
Okay? So, for it is impossible for these certain people. Who are the people? Look at it. In the case of those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. So he's talking to a certain group of people. Something's going to be impossible for a certain group of people. What is that group of people? It's people who have been closely associated with the church in such a way that they've had a number of things that look like Christian experiences. They have been once enlightened. They used to be in the dark and they have heard the light of the gospel. They've been enlightened. They've tasted, he says, the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit. Don't know exactly what he's referring to there, to be honest. Not sure, uh, some sort of genuine spiritual experience. Maybe he's referring to them taking communion with the church. Maybe at one time they were with the church and they were overcome with emotion while singing. Maybe they've experienced the healing within the church. But some sort of something that's given them a taste of the power of the Holy Spirit, tasted a heavenly gift. They've tasted the goodness of the Word of God, okay? They've, they've heard good preaching and maybe even said amen out loud a couple times, right? They've heard, they've tasted the goodness of the Word of God and then the powers of the age to come. They've tasted this. They've seen real power at work. They've been participating in the life of a church and seeing people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then it says, and then have fallen away. So let me just, we don't have time to, to, to dive into a lot of detail. This would be one of the passages. There is a group of people within the Christian church who would teach that people who are genuinely saved can fall away in such a way that they lose their salvation. This would be one of the passages that they turn to that they would say makes that point the most clear. I don't think it's necessarily teaching that, uh, in light of a number of other scripture passages that seem to teach something very different. Now again, if we were in a Bible study, we'd take time walking through every single one of those passages or many of those passages to help us to see that. But I just want to point out here that this whole list of experiences, being enlightened, sharing in the Holy Spirit, tasting the heavenly gift, tasting the goodness of the Word of God, none of those are referring to somebody who necessarily has been saved. So I think those who are falling away are those who have had a significant number of Christian experiences, yet ultimately are not a believer. They are rejecting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's what he gets at to here next in the rest of the passage. He's saying it is impossible in the case of these kinds of people, those who have experienced all sorts of things but have ultimately turned away from Jesus, rejecting Jesus, verse 6 continues, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Why? Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. People who have heard the gospel and in the end, chosen to reject Jesus, are in a sense doing the very same thing that the Romans had done just 30 years before the book of Hebrews was written. Looking at Jesus and mocking him and, and spitting on him as he's nailed to a cross of wood. 
saying essentially those of you who have experienced the gospel and aligned yourself with the church in some way over time and had all sorts of great experiences but then have fallen away, if your decision is to ultimately reject Jesus, it's like crucifying him all over again is what he says. And then he kind of switches analogies. He had been talking about milk and solid food. Now as he gets into this section, verses 7-8, he uses another analogy. He says, For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receive a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So again, two separate groups of people, what's, what's in common between them is the, the rain has fallen on the land, but one type of land producing a crop, showing the blessing of God, and another producing thorns and thistles that will be torn down and thrown into the fire to be burned. It's a sobering warning for sure. If you wanted to, I mean, again, if we were in a Bible study, I'd spend some time going back to like Matthew chapter 13 and looking at Jesus' parable of the weeds. So maybe you want to do that on your own. Go back to Matthew chapter 13, look at Jesus' parable of the weeds and compare it to verses 7 and 8 right here. Let me just, before we move on though, just make a quick point of application, and that is this, that experiencing Christian things doesn't save you. Repent and trust in Jesus. Some of you have experienced lots of powerful spiritual Christian things and have not been saved. What should you do? Repent and trust in Jesus. The only way it's impossible for you to be restored to repentance is if you persist in rejecting Jesus and you don't repent. But the good news, if you hear it today, the good news is this, that Jesus saves sinners. And so my encouragement to you would be to repent, to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. Some of you are saved, but a passage like this makes you worry that you might not be. Let me just tell you this. If, if it is your desire to repent and continue trusting in Jesus, then I assure you that you are not one of those who has decidedly, ultimately rejected Jesus. It is possible for you to repent and be restored. So do that. Repent. Trust in Jesus. Be restored today. The tone of the passage has been heavy, hasn't it? It's time to grow up. You're not where you should be. It's time to grow up. And then a warning. Falling away is a deadly danger even for those who have had impressive church experiences. Those who fall away and ultimately reject Jesus, their end will be eternal punishment. And then you probably noticed, even as I read it, that all of a sudden, it's just like he snaps out of that and ends with this encouraging note in verses 9 to 12. Verse 9 said this, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. It's almost like he's saying, hey, what I'm saying, I'm talking to some of you, but I'm not talking to all of you. I've seen signs of great growth. I'm confident of the salvation of many of you. Verse 10, 
Why, why is he confident? Verse 10, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still, still do. He's looking at them and seeing their work, seeing the way that they live, and it's giving evidence that they're not thorns and thistles, but they're the crop. And they're receiving a blessing from God. So what? Verse 11 and 12. Here's, here's our memory verse for this week. Verses, it should be, I guess. Verses 11 and 12. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness. Remember earlier? They were dull of hearing. He told them, you're dull of hearing. You're too lazy to understand. You're not learning. But here he tells them, show the same earnestness. Keep working hard. It's going to be hard work, but keep doing it. Show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish. Sluggish is like natural for all of us. But so that you may not be sluggish, but what to do instead, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are those in the church who they can look to as those who are eagerly pursuing growth. There's people that you can look to, he's telling them, they're further along than you. And you know how they got there? Not by sucking on a bottle. They, they, kept, they were eating solid food and they worked hard at it. Be imitators of them. Your tendency is to be sluggish, but instead imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How do you know you're not one who is falling away and in great danger? Well, you know you're not falling away if you're moving ahead. If you're pursuing growth, if you're pursuing maturity in Christ. So the application in closing for us would just be this. Show the same earnestness. Fuel up so you can pour out. I'm grateful for this encouraging ending. The bulk of this passage has been admonishment and warning. And I, I want us to hear that. Because for some of you, that's the message you needed to hear today. You needed to hear in a pretty direct way. Listen, it's time for you to grow up. Our sails are up and the wind is against us. If we're not diligent in moving ahead in this world, we're going to get blown backwards. It's time to grow up, to put down the bottle, to eat solid food and start feeding others. And so continue to wrestle with what step do you need to take to grow up? I don't want us to miss that, but I also want us to be encouraged that there are signs of growth. Praise God that he has put us, that I can say, like, like the author of Hebrews does, that there's a lot of people around you that you can imitate who through faith and patience are the ones who are inheriting the promises. This church is filled with Sunday school teachers and Awana leaders and youth group leaders, and elders, and deacons, and deaconesses, people that you can look to who do hard work, who are not sluggish, but, but who are pursuing maturity in Christ. Look to them and imitate them. None of them are perfect. None of them have arrived yet, but all committed to growing up while they're feeding others. 
And he says to the church there, and I say to our church, we desire you to show the same earnestness. Keep eating and serving others. I've in my lifetime trained and run in, trained for and run in two marathons, and most of the training process wasn't fun. The one part that was fun is leading up to the marathon, you got to eat a whole lot of food. Because I couldn't just like drink a glass of milk and go out and run 26 miles. So, so, so for the week ahead of time, I was just consuming a whole lot so that I could push my body to its limits on that day and run it. And listen, in life's marathon, we need to keep fueling up with good nutrition. A glass of milk is not going to help. Having a meal fed to you by a pastor once a week on a Sunday morning is not going to cut it as you run life's race. Good nutrition is necessary for all of us. Good nutrition is necessary for kids. Kids would love to live on a diet of Skittles because Skittles are really good. Amen, kids? Right? That was even not kids who just said amen to that. I heard adults saying amen. <laughs> but kids, need like they need some grains, they need some protein, they need some other stuff. And so just likewise, we need kids, kids to be fed solid food. And so I'm grateful for those that are leading in Awana, those who are teaching Sunday school, those who are leading in youth group, who are willing, and those who are parents who are willing to recognize kids can take a lot more. We don't need to just keep giving them Skittles. They can handle a lot more than we're giving to them. Let's feed them solid food. And it's not just kids who need good nutrition. As we get older, we start to recognize, oh, those things, like I can't just eat whatever I want and still feel good at the end, right? Poor nutrition has negative consequences as you get older, and you need to choose wisely. So, if you're an older saint, well, you might not have an appetite like you once did. Maybe you can't study in the same way that you once did. Maybe you're not going to teach in the same ways that you once did. I would encourage you, choose wisely what you eat. What are you consuming? Maybe you need to turn off the TV more frequently. Maybe you need to get off of Facebook and get your face in the book, right? Maybe that's exactly what you need, that you might continue to grow, that you might not become sluggish, but that you might grow up and be one who others can imitate as you find ways to feed others. Good nutrition is necessary for all of us. What we consume matters. And growing up to maturity in Christ requires that we eat solid food, and then find ways to serve and feed others. We fuel up so that we can pour out. We need help, Uh, all of us. We've got some growing up to do, and just like when a parent may have had that conversation with you, you didn't immediately feel like warm fuzzies, like, oh man, thanks for telling me how immature I am, mom. (laughs) Give me a right. Maybe that's not initially how we feel, but I hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in all of us who are believers, we will be made aware throughout the week of areas of immaturity where we just need to grow up. That we would be encouraged as a church to be people who say, give me some solid food. Or if you're still an infant, say, give me some milk, I'm hungry, and cry out and ask for it. Because we want to be a church more and more of people willing to feed a hungering and lost world all around us who need nothing more and nothing better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We want to be a church so saturated by and molded by the Word of God that we're able to pour out to others as we fuel ourselves up regularly. We need help with that, so let's pray. Father, you know, you know uh, more than any of us know ourselves how badly it is we need to grow up. So forgive us, forgive me for being sluggish, for being satisfied on what I've learned some other time, being satisfied to drink milk from a bottle rather than eating solid food and pouring ourselves out for others. We need you every hour that we might grow up and not fall away. So thank you for giving us your son. Help us to be more satisfied with him, believing that he is better than anything, so that with your help, we grow to maturity as you hold us firm to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.